0: Mr Letts, thank goodness. I'll wedge you have not seen a dinosaur like this before.
1: Well, you could say that. What do you think, Terrence?
0: Big fellow,
2: isn't he? Are BBC special effects dinosaurs usually this impressive?
1: Hmm, well, not the ones they showed me last week. I was there. Look,
0: the thing is, this isn't one of ours. In fact, we're not entirely sure what it's doing in the Thames. Hmm, I wonder if it's time-travelled, Bowie. Time-travelled?
1: Is it is it choking? Ooh, there seems to be something lodged in its throat. How could it time travel? I don't know. Perhaps it was something it ate. Ooh, stand back. Stand back. Stand back. Well, it's just laid an egg.
2: It's dropped a statue of a weeping angel out of its mouth. Your grasp of biology troubles me.
1: It's that Moffat again.
2: It would seem so.
1: Why does his stuff keep ending up here in the 70s? All the 80s. It's definitely the 70s. We'll take care of this. But the worst we thought we'd have to deal with was rubber puppets. What if that thing goes on the rampage? Keep an eye on both of them. Don't blink. If all else fails, yell wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey at the top of your voice. And will that help? Mm, not much, but it'll give you something to do. Terence, with me. What are we going to do, Bowie? Well, a CGI dinosaur from the future has landed slap-bang in the middle of our filming location. I'm going to make sure Paddy Russell gets the cameras rolling while we've still got the chance.
0: Hello and welcome to Something Who Podcast episode 26... We've made you wait three weeks, but here we are once again in our classic format where we compare a story from the original series with one from the new. Today we're all about new beginnings, as we bring you our thoughts on the sixth Doctor's debut in The Twin Dilemma, followed by the first appearance for the twelfth Doctor in Deep Breath. And bringing you this pairing of apprentice Doctors are our two most experienced contributors. Ooh. Giles. Hello, Giles. Hello. Yeah, and Paul. Hello! <laughs> I'm
2: sorry,
1: hello, yes. <laughs> you have to break character now. Yeah, yeah. But first, some exciting
0: news for both of you and for our listeners. Ooh. Our, our Something Who Twitter account has been followed by none other than Phil Morris. Ooh!
3: <laughs> 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 We've and, made
0: it. Yeah, and rumour has it that he's been listening to all of our back catalogue from his right. underground bunker in Wigan. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you're listening, Phil, we look forward to hearing just what those six missing episodes are that you know are residing with film collectors. Oh, yes, please.
1: Mm. I'm sure he was just checking out. He was just going down to inspect the underground bunker. It was nothing to yeah. do with the, um, the riot, <laughs> riot of writing fans
2: outside. You missed a trick there, Richard. Shouldn't we be inviting him on to join us? Or are you, were you going to
0: work your way up to that? <laughs> mm. Uh Not yet. And from one person who enjoys being the centre of attention to another, let's talk about The Twin Dilemma. ah uh-huh. So, Twin Dilemma, last story of season 21, Ooh. written by Anthony Stephen, whose main claim to fame, as far as I recall, was he was a regular writer on All Creatures Great and Small. Actually, he wrote a whole lot of other things as well, but that's, I guess, how he met JNT. And presumably also Peter Moffat, the director on this as well. So a, a triumvirate from all creatures.
3: Reforming. Right, that, make, that makes sense. Mm.
2: Because I'm weird, he's mostly familiar to me from his work on the Lord Peter Whimsy adaptations in the 70s. Oh, yeah.
1: right. Okay.
2: Which are very good. But then yes. again, he didn't have to come up with the ideas, did he? Dorothy L. Sayers did that. Mm. And she's mm. a genius. Not that I'm saying Anthony Stephen wasn't. <laughs> No. I mean, he wasn't, obviously
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's very it's very odd that we've, we're in a situation Is this the only classic who... I know, I remember when, back when we did Spearhead We talked about the fact that Bob Holmes was possibly not the person that you would immediately From the writer of the Crotons and the Space Pirates Was not necessarily the person you'd immediately pay to debut yeah. your brand spanking new show But generally, throughout the classic series... I mean even Pip and Jane Baker were a relatively safe pair of hands. And this is the only yeah. time, this is certainly the only time I think we get a yes, one-shot writer writing the debut story.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, he's the sort of writer that, um, I suppose they, they were trying writers from his sort of circle on and off throughout the early 80s. But they, he's the sort of person they tried endlessly for the abandoned season 23. It was a su- succession of people who had made their... Yeah their mm. mark in other genres, and yes. have never shown any inclination or aptitude for science fiction, but Eric Saywood for some reason, thought it was, const- it was worth giving him a try at it. Mm.
1: The Terrence Dudleys of this world.
2: Yeah, well, yeah.
3: Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: It's difficult to disentangle, isn't it? Well, it's impossible to disentangle what Anthony Stevens' contribution would have been, both in terms of the ideas, the plotting, and maybe even the dialogue. We don't know whether... The script editor mm. had much of a hand in this. I can see it
0: dabs all over it.
3: <laughs> but, yeah,
0: I'd have said so. Um,
2: I feel like most of the best ideas in it that don't have anything to do with science fiction are probably Anthony Stevens. And for all I know, the science fiction is also his because
1: it's very poor. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll get on to that, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, it feels to me that Everyone's about 20% off their game in that the, I mean, the script is, you know, it's all right, but it's a bit by numbers. The actors, you know, there's some good actors in it, but they, you know, they don't seem to me to be particularly uh, enthused by the script or the direction. The design is, you know, it's a bit Mm. sparkly, you know, space age, but not really very futuristic. The costumes are best not discussed. <laughs> um, I dunno, it, it it feels like if, if all of those things had been twenty percent better, um, it could have been a a you know, a decent story, but it's just a little bit it just feels it falls a little bit short in every respect for me.
1: Well, I I wanted to ask what people's um what what our opinions were and sort of our first encounters and and friendly, yeah, sure. Frankly, how, how long how long it had been since since we watched it, um, and whether we, because I, I certainly came into this with a certain amount of dread. I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind admitting. Well, That's because um, we've all spent
2: so. thirty five years being told that mm. it's one of the worst stories ever, and um, I, I I suppose now well, it's easy to drift along with that assumption, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're not really encouraged to go back and have and check that. <laughs> we just think, yeah, yeah, it mm. was pretty bad, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but um I don't know, I mean I'm not saying it wasn't, but just in terms just to put it in perspective, I mean us fans get very excited by the fact that it comes immediately after Case of Andrizzani, one of the best stories ever, not just in that season or era. Mm. And we think how could it possibly have this same programme produce both of these these highs and lows, how could it plummet from the sublime to the ridiculous in such a Mm. There's a dictionary definition of bathos. Mm. But um, I think I've also seen these two stories used (laughs) by people trying to give a a bit of perspective. To the ordinary member of the public, they don't look that different. Mm. C.S. Andrew doesn't look like I, Claudius, and Twin Mm. Dilemma doesn't look like the Twin Dilemma. They just both look like a cheap (laughs) science fiction program to ordinary people. So I I thought it was worth raising that again, um, just because... When I watched it, and I'm not answering your question yet, Giles, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> Watching it this time, which was the... F- I wouldn't like to say when I last watched it. It was the first time for a long time. Mm. Um, and it wasn't... It's not good. But it's not... A, the, the odd moment is teeth clenchingly toe curlingly, execrable. Mm. But it's mm. not consistently that much yeah. worse than most mediocre Doctor Who. It <laughs> mm. yeah. does that sound like damning by faint praise, because it, it <laughs> obviously is. Uh, I should just mention at this point, I, um, I'm still to this day, and I don't know how many times I've watched the whole thing, I'm still less familiar with episode three because I missed it at the oh, time. Well. Something happened, something happened. Um, if it had been a really good story, then the circumstances which caused me to miss it as a teenager would be imprinted on my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't actually remember why, because I didn't really care that much. But to this day, I'm still, it still takes me by surprise, that episode.
3: Hmm. Mm.
2: Which makes me think that perhaps I haven't watched the story very often, because otherwise, the whole thing would be equally
0: familiar, wouldn't it? Mm. Mm. I think I've watched it twice: once in nineteen eighty-four and once in twenty-twenty. Yeah, yep. I Snap. doubt anyone will censor you for
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, same, same here. I think, yeah, it's just mm. so you yeah, know, it's, it's languished, so th- it languished in my DVD box. <laughs> Was it?
2: Was it how you remembered how familiar did it seem to you because I mean the other four three episodes that I have seen uh, seemed quite familiar, so i I must have gone back mm. and watched it far more often than is psychologically mm. explicable
0: well because of because a lot of it was trailed on things like Blue Peter, I suppose the episodes one in particular and and a bit of two was you know is seen a lot of those scenes a lot of times. Mm. The end of it, I, I couldn't say I particularly remembered. I mean, the whole the whole subplot with the eggs, I think, had uh, passed me by. <laughs> yeah. It didn't take me by surprise, as such, but I didn't remember um, all, all of those things. Hmm. I, I liked your your uh, your uh, um, ana- you know your, the analysis of, of caves and twin dilemma. I mean, I, I I wrote something about that in my notes. In that, I thought. I said, was Caves ine- inevitably brilliant and Twin inevitably awful? And I don't think so. I mean, I think you, you've you've got Holmes who's a who's a better writer in mm. this genre anyway, and more, has more experience. You've got a young and dynamic director in Caves who's determined to do some do things differently against Moffat who isn't particularly. <laughs> mm. You've got in Sharers Jack. You've got a you know an identifiable and human villain,
3: mm.
0: Where, whereas poor old. Um, mm. Edwin Richfield's just not given much of a chance behind that mask and you've got a more heroic doctor which you know perhaps plays into our our stereotypes hmm. but you've but you know arguably this is a more interesting story because the doctor isn't being heroic. Um, and, and as you say, the design aspect is kind of similar in both but I suppose because they don't they don't go for the spangly stuff. Then, then caves is marginally better, but it's yeah. I mean, it, if you it's a small margin, isn't it? If we look at the quality of the sets, the set
2: of um, mm. the president later Crau- and Crau- timing yeah, his yeah. office mm. is, exactly. is, is no different in quality or, or even design aesthetic to most of the sets in Twin Dilemma. So you, yeah, yeah. you are watching the same mm. thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, there is there is an actual wobbly set moment in um, in Twin though, isn't there? With, um, <laughs> with the um, the doctors filling around with some console either in the base. Yeah, I think in, in the base on Titan Three, and he and he gets up to runs over to something. Oh, I think it's when Perry's pointing. He starts to crack the code, and then Perry finds the countdown timer thing that looks suspiciously like a wall safe, and he and the console that he. Gets. He gets up and walks away from visibly rocks back, wobbles back and <laughs> yes, forth.
2: <laughs> because Colin Baker has brought a new energy and physicality to the role, and nobody's <laughs> told him yet. He hasn't learned from bitter <laughs> experience that you can't do that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, Richard, you were basically saying that this story was dealt a bad hand, all the all the NAF cards in one. I, I've <laughs> lost my I've lost my poker analogy, but I mean another thing is, Craves of Androsani had money. This one didn't. Famously, they. They mm. ran out. Mm. It doesn't compare too unfavorably visually with other famously cheap stories. I mean, they didn't try and mount the entire thing against a uh, blue screen background. <laughs> maybe it would have been yeah. better if they had. I don't know. Mm. What about mm. as a story then? Do you? Uh, so no, actually, no, no, yes, as a story. Let's do as a story first. I was yeah, going to sure. t- talk about, and <sighs> we could have moved on to the f- our main linking theme, i.e., Doctor debuts, because of course, as you say, we've. um in caves, you have a Doctor who's written deliberately to be reaching a peak of heroism. Mm, and yes. here, they're taking this they're by now familiar trope of the unstable, mm. eccentric, newly regenerated Doctor and seeing how far they can push it. Mm. And for the first time, I would say, pushing it too far. Mm. It's not so, so much about... It's about the treatment. It's about how you do it. About, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules about how unrecognisable and out of character the Doctor can be Mm. ever let alone in in these specific moments when we expect that but I just think it has it all depends how you do it and these two stories without getting ahead of ourselves prove that one Mm -hmm. of them is written by a genius the other one is written by somebody well the other one's written by Eric Sayward isn't it (laughs) I'm assuming that most of the Doctor's dialogue is has been gone over by the script editor because he is making sure that it's set mm. well I think it would be a bit eccentric to let the character of the on you lead mm. who's going to be stuck with this character for the next three years or seven years if he gets his way mm. it, to let that be determined by a visiting writer who's got no knowledge mm. of the programme, no loyalty to it no, well you wouldn't would you and, and it, just, no, it also sounds just like
1: Eric Sayward
3: mm.
2: so that's another thing that's, um, that's lumbering it
1: I I may as well sort of put my cards on the table here that I yeah. I, ca- I came out like it a lot more than I thought, mm-hmm. and I my gut reaction is I thought you know the reason I have reservations about you saying I would say is because um, is because I actually thought underneath the direction quite a lot of dialogue is actually quite funny and and the ideas and the you know the the actual back and forth and so on, it actually works when when the doctors not having the absolute manic you know or psychotic episodes a lot of the rest of it is it is quite sparky dialogue mm. i i felt but it's then just directed so utterly flatly that it's and if you see past the if you if you kind of get past the direction to the scripts it's not it's not that bad it's quite you know it's quite funny in places
2: okay i shall get give my thoughts a second pass with more nuance you're mm. right it's, uh, to me it's clearly the work of two different writers mm. Where Anthony Stephen has been told The Doctor's a bit Has been told two things He's behaving slightly manically And also we're thinking this, this Doctor is going to be spiky Perhaps somebody's ostentatiously Displaying his learning mm. Quotes things you know, He might have been given a shopping list of, um, of traits mm. And where he's been allowed To express those It works quite well but then that's all glued together, and yes, and in the first couple of episodes, that sort of stuff does does work reasonably well. But then mm. all of that is patched together with with much more pedestrian mm. attempts to do the same thing, which feels mm. to me like the work of a different hand. Mm. And um, leaden sarcasm, I think, is where this doctor fails. There's some witty, as you say, some of the more erudite witty lines might raise a smirk i don't think anything's actually mm. f- funny in this script but a lot of the rest of the doctor's acerbic nature here is clearly supposed to be funny and for me falls completely flat
3: mm.
2: i don't to rip it apart too much but i think that where the dialogue is weak collins pushing his performance a bit further to try and compensate but it doesn't mm. think and that may save it but it doesn't and then you've got perry who's been turned who's had a wine why when yeah. turned up mm. to 13 this year and uh, where it which is where it will stay for the whole of the next season that doesn't help and yes that plus in the in the in the weaker sections it's just very by rote oh the doctor is alien and unpredictable and spiky here equals mm. he's physically violent he's yeah. driven to prone to meaningless sarcasm and rebuttal mm. and um, and send basically just so at, its, at its worst uh, like at the very end of the story states what his character is supposed to be mm. to us in a tell rather than sh- don't show yes. way Perry I'm, I'm an alien I don't have your why would I behave like a human why d- this is what's been written on the back of a napkin by J&T mm. in the bar when mm. they've been having thoughts on what the new char- Doctor's character should be mm. and just to sum up I suppose what I think about the sixth Doctor um, I think it's the acerbic, sardonic side which tips over aggression far too much. It seems to be a result of a sort of chain of people at each level, slightly misunderstanding what the person <laughs> who, who instructed them was getting at hmm. and, and possibly implementing it with a lack of enthusiasm. JNT presumably came up with this idea because he met Colin Baker at a party and was impressed by his acerbic wit. Mm-hmm. Well, if you'd just let pushed Colin Baker onto the set and let him be Colin Baker as the Doctor, then that it w- would have been very warm and amusing yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and would have all loved the sixth Doctor immediately. But Eric Say would seem to have had a combination of disinterest in this idea and lack of understanding of quite what was being asked mm. and has fed that down to his writers and it just, cu- and it just twists it into mm-hmm. something that's almost the opposite of entertainment for me. And Paul Colin is left being asked to play this character, which is was supposed to be tailored tailored as a good fit for him. And um, and really, it's another it's another thirty years before he well twenty years before he gets a chance to play that version the the true Sixth Doctor when Big Finish. And their band of fan fiction writers somehow know <laughs> better than uh, all of these professionals. That's my mm-hmm. opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I think it's I think it's unfortunate. In particular, they play up the kind of violent and sexist elements. In yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure this is a deliberate choice, but the yeah, I mean, I mean, the strangling thing looks looks horrible in mm. in the modern day. But 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 frankly, the whole attitude of the doctor towards Perry is l- lamentable, really, as well. I mm. mean, that's rather rather more typically 80s. But yeah, it's so it's not just that you're. Not warming to the doctor, it's actually, you know, repellent. Some of the behaviour that's being enshrined, and Mm. it's not. Whilst on the one hand, you could say, well, if that's just in the manic moments, that's one thing. But it's kind of laced through it. But that's really only one aspect of it. But but that 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 did strike me as being, you know, particularly problematic. You know, when we're reviewing it now. Mm. Yes.
1: Not to mention the fact that the. um the strangulation scene is followed almost immediately by an um, elderly nonce kidnapping a couple of young teenage boys. <laughs> 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 yes. and this is the year before they did the jim fix it time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now then, <laughs> yeah,
0: and it turns out that actually only one of the twins has a speech impediment; the other one is perfectly um, capable. Do you know no, I still so didn't isn't... spot that. It's, mm. it, it's not Womulus and Wemus, it's Womulus and Remus, I think.
1: Mm.
3: Oh, So, Lord. yeah, I mean, yes. I
2: actually think that the twins. Di- one, one thing I've never spotted before is that the twins' dialogue is very funny. Yeah, they, yeah. From yeah, the very first funny. scene, mm. they're interesting characters. They're like a lot of real twins, I gather. They have, they live in their own little world and have their own shared mm-hmm. view, uh, you know, the rest of the world and them. But then also being geniuses and. Uh, possibly slightly on the spectrum it just, it's, it's nicely written dialogue and I don't think that their appalling that, sorry that their very flat performances flat undrained performances could mm. entirely ruin it for a long time I think yeah. they were considered the one thing that people hated about this story and, I mm. and um, mm. goodness me what, what, are, what are we expecting from
1: child actors I, don't know. I mean, I mean they're barely, they're barely
2: in it as well I can still I can still hear the um, the wit in their dialogue shining through, well I mean in those first few scenes I think they, they're, as characters as the combination of dialogue and performance, they come over better than their father, whatever his name is yes, mm. whose dull lines are rather overplayed by
1: um, mm.
0: what's his name usually very reliable
3: mm.
0: But
1: oh him, could, yes um.
0: He's well the trouble is he's got a rotten costume and he's got a very small part <laughs> mm. so uh, I, I, think, I think he's <laughs> just having a bad time really
1: it's chinnery it's isn't it
0: Oh yes, Dennis Chinnery. Dennis of the Chinnery, yes.
2: Well, so what's the, what do we all think is the best thing that I've just? Oh, I, I, I like uh, Morris Denham. He's, he gives the best performance. Mm. The tale of the twins is quite good. Some of the early Doctor's early aphorisms are quite funny. What, mm. uh, what else do you think is worth praising?
3: Uh, I
1: was about to say something negative again. I, just, okay. I was just going to say, with regard to the twins, that. That um I was gonna say A A there was this whole thing around was it around that time a little a little earlier with regard to supernaturally precocious teenagers being <laughs> there was the there was the that's that weird weird antiques expert boy. Mm. Blimey really, was he? Who I he, he around? I dunno, maybe maybe it's later. Maybe I'm um, <laughs> Maybe I'm just associating this whole melange of the 1980s, and I think Lauren something rather. I think yes, transitioned later, and then there was Ruth Ruth Thingy, wasn't there? The the Oxford, oh the yeah, ma- the maths whiz, William Haig? William bloody, hmm, <laughs> 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 child prodigy, yeah. I think being a being a <laughs> reasonably precocious teenager at the time, myself, mm-hmm. the absolute mm. last thing I wanted to see in Doctor Who was precocious teenagers. Yeah, and we'd only yeah, just get rid of ad, got rid of Adric for God's sake, exactly. and here they are.
2: Mm. Now you're seeing double.
1: Yeah, yeah. But is that exactly, yeah. It's
2: a... Okay, so if you haven't got any more positives, let's all let's all vote for the single worst thing yeah. in the story.
1: What? I quite like the ca- I quite like the cave painting thing. There's a way of telling the telling the story. Yes. We, we almost had a we yeah, re- re- nice. revisit of that in the last series, didn't we? With the with the yeah. legend thing with the. And Can You Hear Me? It's quite a nice little mm-hmm. graphical thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's my single worst thing is uh, is Crime Watch with Sue Cook. Um, which, <laughs> you know, it, I, I just don't really know what it's doing there. I mean, it, all of the police people in this know everybody in the story. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. they've
2: got, I don't know, they've got a part- half a dozen ships that it they managed to, be to crash. A- they know all about know. the twins and the fact that they're so important that people that they're a target they need to keep a constant eye on, hmm. and yet yeah. they don't. So <laughs> yeah. when when they're snatched from under their noses, they seem to know that they should have been looking after looking harder. Hmm. Uh, that's, yes, that's all a bit um, balls, isn't it? Hmm. I think the story just gets worse and worse and worse as it goes on. Which leaves me in a slightly ironic position of thinking... <laughs> am, I, am I saying that the early stuff, which is mostly about the the Doctor's regeneration is better than than the Twin Dilemma itself. The like, Surely it can't be, because I hate that. Mm. But, I mean, really, it, it gets worse and worse and worse because as it focuses more and more on the villain and his plot, the villain is completely one-dimensional. Mm. It's, he's uh, appallingly badly written. This is where I think people like Anthony Stephen need to be told, don't just write for your preconceptions of what... Uh, mm. A cheesy potboiler like Doctor Who usually is. Make it your own. Find mm. your own way into doing Doctor Who. Don't, mm. don't just write a ranting, arm-waving, giant slug. Mm. Write something with some intelligence and a different and a, some perspective. Mm. But no, no, we don't. So, just, so the more and more it concentrates on Mestor. And if it looked like Jabba the Hutt or something, or who knows? Maybe that's what Anthony Stephen was thinking. But. Mm. It's just tragic, isn't it? What we actually get. <laughs> Bloody hell! It's, it's funny.
1: The um, that was something where the, the that's a case of the memory cheating, as J would say. Because my my recollection of it was the Chagondas looking athletic, crap and Mestor being quite impressive. And oh really? In my v- How? and and coming How back to, you, I don't know. No, I, <laughs> but like I say, I haven't I haven't haven't seen it since transmission. And yeah, and now now it's slightly flipped on its head. That I think, okay, the Chagondas on aren't, aren't too. Embarrassing as a makeup job.
2: I thought, I've always thought most people thought they were one of the better. Yes, um, yeah, i now agree with it. that.
1: Yeah. And Mestor is utterly. Hmm. It's
2: also part of why it's, the whole thing's a bit of a mess. There's lots of ideas stuffed in here, and it's one of those stories where, for me, they don't gel. There could be an interesting story in how this strange setup mm. has. We have Mestor, the giant slug, ruling. Yeah. Mm. The jacondans the bird people
0: yeah
2: who used to be who ruled were previously by, who were yeah. who were previously ruled by Asmael, who is a humanoid mm. yeah. and also has to be a time lord for the purposes of this story because he has mm. to understand time travel and yeah. thus be an old friend of the doctors because it's er- Eric saywood mm. so nothing yeah. so the universe has to be very very small yeah. and so and and why and you know there's two I mean, ways of writing that. There's,
1: and then they go on to hand over the leadership to Kevin McNally, but yeah, yeah, bit. yeah. So they—they <laughs> so so they, they obviously not very good at ruining themselves, apparently. <laughs> v- well, if that
2: showed in their character, then mm. that could have been an interesting strand. Mm. But really, it's, it's half baked, isn't it? We've got all these potentially interesting mm. ideas thrown in the pot and given just half a stir, which mm. is why yeah. they come out yeah. undercooked. I, I hate it. why do I talk in metaphors yeah. so often? I'm terrible at it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, well, I, I said about the the ending of it that um, you know Kevin McNally's character becomes Hugo Boss, but you know, <laughs> you, you've just got you've just got to wonder, oh. you know, <laughs> is is it is it just you know the British imperial viewpoint that says you know that you've got to you've got to have a proper ruler for a bunch of oh God. Um, indigenous mm. types? I don't know. I mean, it, it could be something to do with that. Ooh, that's da- definitely. Now you've said that.
3: Mm.
2: that's definitely there isn't it mm. Mm. You're, you're not reaching there I know you're a bit of a yeah, you're very political and uh, <laughs> uh, right social justice warrior <laughs> and you're looking for <laughs> oh dear uh, I mean, yeah what's his name again Hugo right uh, his, um, yeah, mm. again is, his character is mostly useless mm. Mm. he doesn't really need to be there and it's almost like he's w- they're working backwards. I can't tell if they're working backwards from, well, he, c- he replaces Asmael or, or Edgeworth. Hmm. Um, again, what character with two <laughs> names. Is that an interesting <laughs> twist or is that just unnecessarily mm. confusing? Yes. Okay. But no, are they working backwards from the fact that he needs to do that at the end so he has to... But it's because of that that you get whole episodes of where we follow... We keep coming back to the TARDIS, watching him walking around t- talking to himself. Mm. Which is an absolute waste of time and, and energy. Mm-hmm. It's almost as pointless as HG Wells and Time Blash, except mm-hmm. without the appalling plot device of him later writing a novel based on his experiences.
3: Mm.
1: I was going to say, I can't remember at the time whether, whether I wondered whether they were just trying to um, subtly... or or subtly. Nothing, there's nothing subtle about this story. Whether, whether they were trying to sneakily introduce another companion at the end of the... When you
2: watch this having, now, mm.
3: well,
2: when I watch it now, that appears to be the way it's going. Mm. Mm. Everything about the way he's introduced and the way he's kept around. So yeah, mate, would you have we? But we'd have heard about that if there was ever any possibility that that was.
1: I think we would have, but it's it certainly we me um, a bit of Harry. And you'd only have,
2: and you'd only have to change his last scene, like as mm. like with Jamie and so many, and Samantha Briggs and so many other examples. Over mm. There.
3: Mm.
2: and Nyssa. Oh no, they didn't change her last scene, did they? They just brought her back the next week. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: be f- be fair, they gave her a week off. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh dear. Uh,
0: the palace laboratory. I think it's in it's in the mould of the security kitchen, really, isn't it? <laughs> it? It feels like it doesn't really belong. Mm. Um, particularly the fact that that Mestas left his eggs where everyone can get at them. Although, I mean, there are an awful lot of them. So, so, so you've got this room, and then suddenly, it beyond mm. it is a massive, great underground bunker with all these mm. eggs in. So, I'm not quite sure how the geography of that works, or the topography mm. and we've got we've got an, an asteroid that's in a quarry and a planet that's also in a quarry so we've got two different quarries that's quite nice mm. <laughs> you, oh, sorry i thought you were <laughs> i didn't think you were going to steer that towards being a, a
2: positive <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's just very it's very doctor who is what i guess what it what it,
2: what it <laughs> contributes to me is a sense of never quite knowing where we are which mm. then leads on to never quite caring where we are,
3: mm. yeah.
2: but um, and I did try this time like I said, I've watched this more often than you two have.
0: Yeah, but yeah. Um, I've, sh- I've shown willing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I-, I was hoping that um, that Asmel was going to say something on the lines of, "Of all the bases and all the asteroids in all the galaxy, you have to come into mine."
3: Mm.
0: But it uh, never did. <laughs> so, I
2: suppose one way to. Um, Solve the mystery of who wrote what I mean, it would be if any of us had recently read the novelisation by Eric Saywood. Um, I don't know if he volunteered to do it because he was particularly close to the material or because <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Stephen didn't want to. Why didn't Terence Dix do it? Anyway, what, do we know why he ended up writing it? Hmm. Do you remember at the time everyone said how amazing it was that it was just like Douglas Adams? It's a brilliant, com- sparkling comic prose. Do you remember no, that? No. No. Yeah. for that one. No. Well, it wasn't true.
1: I remember that being slapped around with slip bag, whatever, it was thrown around as comparison. I think Eric, they believed, they Eric believed, maybe, more that his
2: own hype, because he's done. Mm. He's applied the same approach to Resurrection of the Daleks, which is not really a story that improves when you, hmm. no. when you pretend you're PG Woodhouse.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the approach I think think of. Hmm. And the thing that jarred for me... And and there were many jarring things in this story. But as you say, I think it's it's kind of of middle-of-the-road mediocre who most of the time. Mm. Apart from this this whole thing of the Doctor and that sort of story. But the thing that, that struck me was that they almost got away with it. And if it hadn't been for... It was really... It was suddenly the last five minutes... Suddenly, just slapped me upside the head, and I thought, "No, hang on, shit!" Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I remember why this left a bad taste in the mouth now, because we get this uh, having sort of resolved everything. And the doctor has has come through and has proved himself, and so on. And then we we just for no no apparent reason we get a sort of jump scare of him creeping up and g- grabbing Perry from behind and put his hand over her mouth, and suddenly mm. we're back in ah. So <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, nerves of yeah, our teeth are. Sort of <laughs> grating again, and with <laughs> yeah, nerves are nerves are set on edge, and we're back to oh god, he's a he's an absolute psycho, and then you get the yeah. and then you get five minutes of self-justification in the TARDIS for why i the big I am or whatever, which which more or less reiterates the you know the somewhat you know puts you back at the somewhat uneasy feeling you had at the end of yeah case of Androzani from his first. That's the of
2: entire point of all dialogue of, of having earlier. Mm. Um, suggested that these extreme vacillations were just temporary mm. by mm. having him explicitly say, "No, no, I'm, yeah. I've recovered. Regeneration's over now, mm. so any more mm. vacillations are in- <laughs> just because I'm
1: because mm. I'm like Yes, <laughs> and then and mm. then having done, yeah, oh having, great, having kind of undermined, having under, kind of undermined the point of the story. then, obviously, they set that up that they're going to they're then going to do the same thing for the next. The next 14 weeks <laughs> or yes.
2: however we long in
3: the next series?
2: Yeah. Without getting into the much bigger debate of whether the doctor's a pacifist and, and what, to what extent he should ever take proactive physical action. I don't really like seeing him deliberately pick up acid bombs and hide them behind his back mm. during mm. the confrontation with the villain. He should be walking into his confrontation with the villain, with, armed with his wits, mm. not hiding grenades behind his back. I mean, that just mm. sums
0: up everything's wrong with it to me. Hmm. Yeah, it's just as well he takes two bottles into the shower, though, isn't it? You <laughs> <see> that first <laughs> one doesn't go very well.
3: Yeah, I agree. With, with hair you, like you, Collins, yeah. you have to.
0: <laughs> what, what do you think, jars um, about the about the science of having a pl- one planet a day ahead of the other? <laughs> it strikes me as being brilliant until tomorrow, right? Yes, <laughs> I, I cannot. <laughs>
1: I cannot work out. I, mean, I you know, I, I try, I try to. Usually, mo- most of the stuff I will take my, I will, I will just disengage my science brain and and just go go with it. But yeah, I mean, and then I thought, well, are they getting at the idea of a, um, like a Trojan orbit? But then that would be, well, you because know, you can have this thing that you can put, you can put a planet into and one or two smaller planets. Can share the same orbit, and they but they have yeah. to be, they have to be yeah. ahead ahead and behind it by sixty degrees. Or whatever. Sure. Um, but sure. that, that's I, I don't know. That was me hand waving it away. But no, they they made it clear that they actually meant some weird time jump thing. Um, and presumably
2: but, they were trying to get at the idea that they, it wasn't so much a time, but a dimensional shift where they were mm, askew, yeah, laterally in some You know, like a
1: yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to visualise. I don't know. what I'm trying to help. I don't know, and, then, <laughs> well, and we kind of get a teaser of that in the in the in the weird thing mm. with them coming with the when the doctor comes back to the TARDIS on the mat. Yeah, that comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? And that's that's mm. just some bizarre box that I don't mm. know, and and the cliffhangers. I'm trying to remember what the cliffhanger for episode for episode one is. Oh well, it's
0: quite, that's like. Um... Nineteen Seventeen. They've rescued um, Hugo, and then suddenly he comes back to life and starts uh, firing them at them with a gun.
1: Of course, and do we get do we get another dramatic close-up on Colin's face for that one?
3: Pro- probably. Because this feels like, I and then he got, exactly
1: then he got poor Nicola gurning in the second one, and, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> and Colin again in the third, in the third one. Yeah. It's just like, That's is this fun. where is this where all these bloody awful, this bloody awful cliche of all the Colin Baker cliffhangers ending in the Extreme close-up of yeah. up his
2: nose. It, it works so well here.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, exactly. You just think, where the hell? Yeah, I wonder where would this it.
2: bizarre subplot gag of ev- ev- everyone wearing distasteful costumes comes from. Yes, because, yeah. Does it creep in at the writing stage? Because they know that the doctor's going to be wearing a distasteful costume and they're going to have to highlight this. So, they, yeah. so then they specify that Perry and Hugo Boss should e- be mm. also be wearing. Some yeah. It's one of the only gags that... Well, I won't say it works, but um, as a recurring joke, at least I can see it's shaped like a joke, unlike mm, most of yeah. the, the dialogue itself.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> On the subject of science stuff, the thing that absolutely... Well, I, I just thought, no, sorry. And my my science brain kicked in, and I just thought, no, that's that's really irritating. Well, the two things that really irritate me are A, a when I know that there's a really good hand-wavy bit of yeah, You could have something that sounds science-ish. Yeah. And that they throw away the opportunity to do that, and so you had, so you had it Or in this case, where they they deliberately dress something up, you know, to sound like a scientific theory. And in this case, I could only put it down to them utterly misunderstanding, because the whole thing yeah. with the, the whole the whole business with the planets, the smaller planets, decaying their orbits yeah. because they're in the same. <laughs> Yeah. So basically, they've got they've got Newton's <laughs> Newton's law, <laughs> second law, or well, yeah, Newton's universal gravitation, completely mm. wrong. that it doesn't matter what yeah. what size the planet is; no. it's still going to be in a stable orbit if you put it there. So. Yes, exactly.
0: Otherwise, the Earth would plunge into the Sun because it's nearer than Jupiter. Mm. Yeah, it's a prime example of a, a, a allegedly
2: scientific prem- uh, setup for the motor of the villain's mm. plan which works for nobody, because real scientists will realise it's nonsense. Mm. And for ordinary members of the public, it's far too complicated. Mm. Mm. Yes. And unsatisfying dramatically. Mm. So that should have had a red pen through it it, the moment it came out of Mm. somebody's mouth.
1: I wonder why it didn't.
2: Um, Mm. Possibly because the script uh, editor was writing it. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Well, yeah. I think it would have been better even under CHB. Mm. He would have. Yes. He, who, who was actually quite good at seeing the dramatic potential in big scientific ideas. Oh, Much abso- like absolutely. his predecessor, Douglas Adams. Yes. I'm just saying
0: mm. that in case he's listening.
1: Mm. <laughs> 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 who, Douglas or CHB? Yes. <laughs> well, either. <laughs> either.
0: So, to to add to all of the indignities that are placed on um, Nicola Bryant, she also then ends up as Perry having the. Giant slug creature saying, "I find her pleasing." <laughs> 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 so, 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 he actually is a cut-price jet.
2: yet. Well and truly, the start of the Sixth Doctor's era, because all these strange things that are going to be cropping up week after week after week in season twenty-two come in in this yeah. one story, mm. which is very interesting. For something that looks thrown together, and I mean, <laughs> I remember <laughs> it actually must have had some thought put into it,
3: or mm. or
2: they or. They Sat back and looked at it in that gap between seasons and thought, Do you know, there's some great ideas in here. <laughs> we should mind this. We just keep repeating these for this.
1: We still I remember same.
2: at the time, as a, a whatever year old, thinking at the title sequence where they add these <laughs> to make it look like a bold new era, they add these yes. sparkly mm-hmm. lights. And I thought, even at the time, I thought that's so half hearted. They must have done that at the last minute. And, <laughs> and it's just a one off because that couldn't, couldn't possibly be designed to be permanent and I was astonished when it came back the next year looking mm. with no improvement whatsoever and it I feel that's like the same with almost
1: everything all the there's
2: innovated and in inverted commas in this story mm. it's distasteful.
1: Mm. good lord I'm, I'm sorry I'm reading this this is I hate to say this doing wiki research on, along the line but I'm trying to untease things uh, it says here at least one aspect of Stephen's original script the Tricundra and the Gastropod has been dropped t- totally and early in the fourth episode without resolution to the plot, with the final t- final battle taking place in another dimension against a being called Aslan, who was controlling Mesto all along.
2: Oh my giddy aunt! <laughs> you see, this this is what makes me despair. Mm. If he was writing for any other jo- program in any other genre, mm. he wouldn't abandon mm. the principles of King drama dramatic mm. structure like that would he but mm, he thinks no. because it's science fiction yes the normal principles of cause and effect mm. and mm. don't apply here and you can just and you, the wackier the better yeah so i think that yeah. that is
0: summing up for me what everything that's wrong with using mm. these sorts of writers mm. yeah it never happened with mrs pumphrey and a little dog in all creatures i'll say
2: that <laughs>
1: <laughs> tricky woo was actually a that's it being, being, yes. being, Aslan, being it? from another dimension Aslan. No. Sorry, did, yes. you <laughs> say, did you say Aslan uh, yes a but, with a, but with a Z <laughs> right. apparently that's of, well. course with a Z. <laughs> of course it was with a Z of course it was with a Z
2: and how often have we seen this and I'm not going to think of any examples now but every t- so often when you see these stories that come through either mostly rejected but sometimes unfortunately making it to the screen from non-science fiction writers they borrow ideas from anything they've ever mm. been in, in mm. contact with it's remotely fantastical they just I'll have that plays trying and desperate to latch onto something mm. oh,
3: yeah. <laughs>
2: can we move on
3: yeah
0: yeah I, you know i mean my, I, I still feel i mean there there have been some pretty terrible plots that reasonable stories have been built around so so but yeah mm. i mean i think in the end it's just there's just not quite enough of anything to, mm. to make this something i'm going to watch, you know, inside another 36 years. but <laughs> you know, it, was, it was all right. It, it certainly wasn't the worst thing i've ever watched. Mm. what's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: put you on the spot yeah. there. Yeah. It, it just made me think the the most recent thing we've watched that it reminded me of in a very vague way was the invisible enemy and i which is another, you know, not particularly well thought of cheap looking story. But i just thought the twin dilemma lacked any of the any of the spark of invisible enemy and it's not a story which is known for having too many Mm. sparks to spare so you know if you're comparing it but it's it's got less action and less Mm -hmm. invention than even a run-of-the-mill over ambitious baker and martin script i think it's the lack of action and the and the Mm. it comes a time when you you're desperate for just somebody to for somebody to run up and down a corridor just to make a change from this endless pontificating mm. there's too much too much
0: verbiage it's
2: a too little effect
3: mm.
0: it it's definitely a stage play
2: <clears throat>
3: yeah
0: it, it you know and in fact almost everything happens in the in the kind of stage tradition of people wandering around a, a, a set mm. like, a, like a theater set
1: yes what I just want, want to know is what about the woman in police control on Earth who's clearly got a thing about Hugo, and he's presumably oblivious to her. Or... Oh no! Yeah, she's and she's, now she's he's been he's with those and bird he's... creatures yeah. for the
0: rest of his, his
1: life. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Was there um Was there an earlier draft of the plot where it was all about them? <laughs> <laughs> Do your researchers tell you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Was there an earlier draft where the Insane, yeah. the woman who says, May my bones rot, <laughs> leaps into a spaceship and comes and saves the day? I, I'd have yeah. loved to have seen that one. She looked great. <laughs> <laughs> she could have had an even worse outfit than the other three. They could have brought that gag back for one last triumphant turn. <laughs> <laughs> and they could have all turned to the camera and said, Yuck! Yeah. <laughs> 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 I need to stop talking about this story because i've
0: <laughs> it's sending me slightly do lally. Uh, I think what you need to do, Paul, is take a deep breath.
1: Oh, I see what you did there. You've
0: and been maybe practicing, all... haven't you? i <laughs> <laughs> the... we all need to do that
2: yeah well what why on earth are we comparing these two? What have they got in common, Richard?
0: Well, what they what they both have in common in in the fan? Imagination is that they're both stories that launch a unpredictable, less heroic Doctor than the predecessor. But interestingly, deep breath. In that regard, isn't quite what I was expecting, because it turns out that the stuff that I remember about Capaldi's first series that made him particularly unattractive, the you know the 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 character of the Twelfth Doctor you know, most of it isn't actually in this story. Mm. You know, this sort of bizarre anti military bit, the you know, the nasty calling the perfectly nice teacher P E. Oh, or the um she she's my carer, she cares so I don't have to.
2: Yeah. That's Which all
0: later. It is. And what you get here is actually not so different from, say, Tom Baker's first story. It's not it's not quite as as um, as appealing as that, and and there are one or two <coughs> moments when um, you know, like when Clara finds herself alone in in the uh, underground area. But but yeah, it, 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 it's not what I was expecting. It, it 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 is a little bit more more muted in that regard. But yeah, I discover it's 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 six years since this was broadcast, mm. which is longer ago than I thought it was.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We've had five series in those six years. That's not bad going for Doctor Modern Doctor Who, is it?
1: Mm. Point?
2: yes when you say that this comparison is what the fan imagination sees as a similarity it was my comparison yeah yeah <laughs> no, <laughs> and, and when you said it I thought yeah yeah you're absolutely right yeah so so it was mine too yeah no I I agree I I had much the same reaction so uh, I was even more surprised than you were <laughs> because I was expecting to think to find that it was the same thing, but just done much better, the second time around. And to a certain extent, I still think that. To the extent that it is trying something similar, it is done much, much, much better. Hmm. I could go on. I, th- <laughs> I what I hadn't remembered is how oddly structured it is. I mean, it is almost like half an hour of a little chamber piece about the. Doctor's friends' varying reactions to his, uh, mm. to his new persona and his mm. own counterpoint with his own confusion about what's happened to him. Mm. Yeah. Immediately followed by a traditional 45 minute who's re- Doctor Who
1: story. It's really close to that. I was watching the, um, I was looking at the clock as I was going, the, well, the very fact that I was looking at the clock was possibly a Indicative, indicative of <laughs> indicative of, um, of my reaction to this, which is that unlike Twin Dilemma, where I came out thinking, okay, it's not as bad as I remembered it, I found this worse than. Yeah, it didn't didn't push a lot of buttons for me, I have to say. But yeah, in that regard, it's just like it's thirty. It is exactly. It's like fifteen minutes in, we find we get to see the the faceless, no, it's the half-faced man yeah. or whatever he's called. But it's um, just for one scene. For one scene. And then it's thirty minutes in we you know, there's some mention of spontaneous combustion and finally some peep of a plot showing up. Mm. I
2: I'd like to know and maybe we should have researched it. I mean I'd love to know how deliberate that was on, on the writer's part. I was thinking as I was watching it this time I'd have put that later. Could you no I no, I was thinking could you have put that later? Could you have spread this stuff throughout? And, of course, it do, it's not like it completely disappears... And ...where the second half of the story is just... Mm. ...the Doctor's found himself and everyone else is happy with him. Yeah. It, mm. it, do, it is still, of course, threaded through. Mm. But could it have been... ...could it have been blended a bit more... ...a bit more smoothly? I mean... Are you, are you implying, Giles, that it might literally have been written that way? That Moffat yeah. might have had an, 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 an idea for a traditional one-episode storyline... ...and then bolted this new stuff on the oh. beginning? Because if he had to write it in a hurry... That could mm. well have happened. I get often up against it with See the Seeing them off, writing
1: things in a hurry, just never happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not. Oh, you I'm, like I'm only. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. Well, no, and you you wonder whether it started off as a structure, and, and this seemed to be. This was back in the era when the BBC did seem to be somewhat randomly saying, "Oh, go on, have another, <laughs> have another fifteen minutes, have another half hour, whatever." And, Possibly, and this one had a cinema release, didn't it? I yes. think we touched on that, um, didn't we? Um, mm. On when we were comparing with *Day, of the, Doctor. Day of the Doctor*, yeah. And of course, it's got a film director, you know, doing it, doesn't it, Ben Wheatley? So I do vaguely wonder whether it was once a much more compact story, and this was the way that he did it. Oh. But
2: he would have approached it differently anyway, because he'd already done a Doctor debut, but on that occasion he was rebooting, sorry, relaunching mm. the programme with a new, new companion as well so it had to be structured I think that forced him to write it in a slightly more organized way
3: hmm.
2: uh, this I I actually thought it was better than I remembered hmm. and my I think my main problems my main the reason I remember it as not being particularly successful is because I saw it in a cinema hmm. I assumed that it had been put into cinemas because it was worth <laughs> being in a cinema I just assumed I didn't think the BBC would be daft enough to just think that anything over a certain arbitrary length mm. was automatically a film and deserved mm. people to spend 15 quid or whatever it was mm. to go and see it. And um, I just remember, I didn't personally feel cheated, but I just remember the atmosphere in the cinema where I saw it, I think it was Leicester Square, mm. was rather muted all the way through and afterwards. And com- much <laughs> compared to extraordinary rapturous delivery of Day the Doctor, mm. I just came out feeling like everyone thought well it was alright but it wasn't really a film was it? It was alright mm. but it wasn't really worth, mm. worth all that special attention mm. and kids getting dressed up and that's rather coloured my memories of it mm. but with hindsight I think it's just the structure that, that hobbles it and mm. it's directed extraordinarily well, it does look filmy mm. on that level if nothing else it, it's not out of place
3: mm. in the mm. Odeon
2: Leicester Square did, how, which other stories did Ben Wheatley do?
1: This to Into the Dalek I think.
2: Oh right! I think this was really. This was
1: double. Yeah, this was his block. He definitely did into the dark because he's got Michael Smiley in it.
2: No, it was a
3: oh, um, nice
2: to see somebody who actually knows how to position and move a camera mm. for a change. I, I mean, it's all very well talking about this new, these new anamorphic lenses, but you need you don't <laughs> you need more just hardware to make mm. something look cinematic. And mm. when you have a a really practiced director, mm. it does show. Even now. Yeah. And also, I had forgotten mm. that it was a kind of sequel to *Girl in the Fireplace*. I don't know how I'd forgotten mm. that because that's one of my favourite mm. stories ever. Perhaps I forgot because it's a bit oh right, is it? Okay. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah, I had I had the same experience as as <laughs> I made a note going, <laughs> we seem to be rehashing Moffat's. Yeah, you know, we we seem to be rehashing *Girl in the Fireplace*, and then I, and then I made a note saying, ah, that's deliberate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, about ten minutes later, I thought, oh, it's not a coincidence. Well, it just feels to me that what it
0: shares with Twin Dilemma is a kind of slightly reckless attitude towards science. And, (laughs) you know, a a plot that doesn't bear too much examination. Hmm. I mean, the concepts, I think, are interesting enough. But I don't think that they... You know, the, the harvesting of organs from these creatures... I don't know, well, I suppose a robot might want to tr- turn itself into a creature, but then what's the point of the spontaneous combustion? I mean, d- it seems like it's just as likely they're going to get chased after for odd things going on than if the f- you, you find bodies with with parts missing. Hmm. I mean, it, if, you, if you're trying not to, to, to draw attention to yourself, it's a funny way of going about it. It does bear the hallmarks to me
2: of being written in a bit of a rush because it's got all the great moments that you expect yeah. Are set pieces from a Stephen Moffat story, but they don't fit together as tightly, mm. either thematically or even mm. in terms of the organisation of the material as as we normally expect from him. So I think it could belies some of the pressure, not belies, mm. betrays some of the pressure he's under.
1: Yeah, mm. going to say with regard to the forty-five minute thing, that couldn't be, it couldn't be literally the case that it started at the forty-five minute mark because um, because we've also got ten minutes of. Like over matter at the end, haven't we? More or less. The the faggot the yes. gets stretched out as well. But uh, it does. I think it's not not impossible to think there would have been a shorter get-up-and-running introduction to things followed by yes. followed by a more curtailed outro at the end. Yeah,
2: yeah. Is there anything interesting to say comparing it to other Doctor debuts in general? I mean, this is from that sub-genre where we surround the new doctor with his old friends, so we can see yes. him, mm. is not it? So rather yeah. than the brigadier, although um, and, and he sort of gives away the fact that are doing it deliberately because Vastra gets from the brigadier's line, doesn't, mm. doesn't he? Yes. Slightly implausibly.
3: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Here we go again.
0: Yeah. yeah, there's a touch of the Christmas Invasion about it as well. mm I mean, in the sense that the Doctor kind of goes AWOL for a bit and then it's only right at the very end that you get him being
1: a bit more heroic. Yes, yeah, definitely. If we're going to look at it in
0: that very
2: base level, simplistic fan mentality that I, as you pointed out, I have, (laughs) the the Christmas Invasion is slightly the inverse in that we've gone from Rose being with a Doctor that she likes a great deal, is great pals with, but doesn't mm. necessarily fancy, he's changing into one that she does fancy. Here it's strongly implied when Vastra is reading yeah. um, Clara's mind that she had improper thoughts about Matt Smith.
0: She's a right one to talk, isn't she? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's where I wasn't intended to strongly push that angle, but also you, know, you could almost read that into um, Twin Dilemma as well. Yes. When, yeah. When is, the, yeah. when the doctor is pushing Perry is to watch she's misses about the previous incarnation. She says he was sweet and she yes. sort of blushed there as if she was thought he well why wouldn't she have thought he he was dashing.
3: Yeah.
2: They are only just getting to know each other uh, brackets unless you take the big finish route in which case they've been together for several years <laughs> yeah. in between Planet of Far and Kes underzani <laughs> close brackets.
0: <laughs> but he's sort of like the the dashing sort of school teacher or university lecturer figure isn't he in that example, he's he's, he's only yeah. perhaps, what, apparently, he's only a few years older than her. He,
2: he, yeah, mm. and of course, because this is modern Who, everything that was not stated, and possibly not even in the writers' minds most of the time in the old days, mm. apart from, you know, you get that initial idea oh, the Fifth Doctor is a, an old ma- man in a young man's body. But that's just a back-of-the-fag-packet character sketch and doesn't often come through, whereas here, it's quite... A, explicit all the way through Matt Smith and it's yeah. interesting how it finally made you know there's, they're able to say more things about Matt Smith there's even more to say about the 11th Doctor after he's gone by mm. flipping him and viewing so, and I just do, do, like, do, do like the interaction, that first half an hour between all these in, in, intersecting opposing perspectives and I do find it clever the way Vastra gets Clara to confront what her real why she's really troubled about this mm. and deal with her own prejudices and it is clever and, and dramatic and and dramatic in its own it's way but should it necessarily be at the beginning yeah the, mm. the first it should be taking up so much room at the very beginning mm. of your Absolutely. story
3: yeah this is there
2: would have been space for that later on mm. maybe not even in this episode
1: mm. let alone <laughs> later on then.
3: this
1: was more or less yeah I, I i sort of watching the first half first the first bits of it i was thinking well this is good drama but is it necessarily good doctor Who yeah, is it necessarily good doctor yeah. who and he and he's
2: tried to deal with that by giving us a dinosaur mm. so there it starts with some, some spectacle but it's a bit half-hearted yeah you know, like he's and he really wants to be writing this I'd, play for today i mean
1: it's very it's it's very moffat in that it's it concerns you know it, it unfortunately it, Creative with me and now now thinking about it in comparison with what had come directly before at the fag end of the Matt Smith era it's still Stephen Moffat working out his issues with the character of the Doctor I think <laughs> you know he's doing his meta textual thing on the Doctor it feels like is this the way you do it at the start, right at the start of and I feel like it's unfair on Peter Capaldi That I, I kind of feel like mm. it doesn't it didn't give him the chance to be the hit that Matt and David were from the start because it just doesn't, it just doesn't deliver that kind of story. This is going to be their big, their big yeah. first story that where they get to mm, yeah. where they get to sell themselves and do that, do the you know, do the more complicated stuff when you want to later. But but and I, and I think part of it is that because of the plot, there's nothing wrong with a mystery plot as such, but because we have this kind of yeah, uh, you know, well, it is a puzzle. Puzzle plot, really. You're not given anything to really grab onto. to actually, in by way of a plot, in the in the first half hour, really. And you know, like I say, you mm. get one shot of the the half-faced man doing in Tony Way.
0: <laughs> it feels to me that that for some reason Stephen Moffat chooses Peter Capaldi to be the Doctor, and he's thinking, "Oh, this is great. It's a return to the days of when I was a." a boy and Doctor Who was old and you know everything's gonna be great and then somewhere along the line he loses confidence and he says to himself trouble is all the all the kids are really like these young doctors and that you know they're they're gonna they're gonna have a problem with that. So I'm gonna have to spend forty five minutes out of this story, you know, half an hour at the st- at the start and fifteen minutes at the end, explaining how an old the old doctor is still, you know, the same as the young doctor mm. and, you know, you it's okay you can identify with him rather than just making him a hero and everyone's going to identify with him anyway. Yeah. If that's the case, then
2: I think he. Odd that he dedicated so much attention to fixing that potential problem, which we could argue about whether or not how much of a problem it really yeah. was, and then went on to write, overwrite the Doctor's character, unsure if he should be Malcolm Tucker or yeah. or the Sixth Doctor Mark II mm. or what the hell he should be. Yeah. But uh, fundamentally, the problem is that the twelfth Doctor should have had long hair from the very beginning. Mm. He shouldn't have been going on his own tr- uh, Pertwee's hair odyssey.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there are some Doctor but you know, television moves odyssey.
2: faster nowadays, and hair growth should mm. be mm. Yeah. should be no exception. <laughs> yeah. he shouldn't have so come. At, he shouldn't have come out that time looking very lean and hungry. He should have yeah, come out mm. looking wide-eyed
0: and frizzy. Mm. I mean, there's an alternate version of the Twelfth Doctor where, you know, the Doctor from the pilot is how he's introduced. Mm. And, you know, and he's a kindly old man who is a, you know, he's the, the, the benefactor or the mentor or whatever of, of Bill. And it's an, it's an entirely different portrayal. I mean, it's, it, it's almost a different character. I mean, it's not so much from this story, but from the, from the season that this story is from, it's almost an entirely different character. Yes. Uh, It's almost as if Moffat says, hang on a minute, let's start
2: again. Well, you know my opinions on this, unless, of course, you don't. I can't remember if I've said it. But, I mean, they tried with hindsight to tell us that this is all part of the plan and that the Twelfth Doctor is always going to soften and evolve and mature. And we were never supposed to like him (laughs) immediately (laughs) because that's boring. Why would you want to like your hero? We had to wait for that, we had to earn it, and, and mm. it got there, and it was all part of their genius. And I don't... That's not true. It's absolute bollocks. Because the shifts <laughs> are so sudden between mm. his first and second series and second, and second and third. And it's not the same. It's not the same as the sixth Doctor. It's not like that, where they apparently had this seven-year plan mm. and didn't realise that... <laughs>
3: What yeah. do I even need to, exp- to
2: spell I it down? <laughs> if everyone's going kind to of have turned off long before <laughs> you get to the end of your mm. master, yeah. master work, then maybe you need to rethink it. Mm-hmm. But in this story, as you said, Richard, it's surprising that it is not overwritten. He's not made the spikiest he will ever be mm. here.
3: Mm.
2: And then starts to stof- soften immediately. Thereafter,
3: mm.
1: I think the other thing with regard to the plot is that, in terms of doing a doing a mystery plot and and holding it off, it's just that great. Though girl in the fireplace is, and yes, yes, yeah, Moffat has some form for reusing his, reusing his ideas, and you know the the whole technology gone wrong, very stupid clever machines kind of thing is one of his, yeah, is mm. one of his little tropes. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I just don't really feel like this. As articulated in this, okay, it's creepy, creepy visuals, and and you've got a a classic y kind of um, gag in terms of the holding your breath thing, which is mm. very much don't blink. You know, it could have been don't blink, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the same reasons, but you know they're they're just a bit underpowered to be to be the you know to be the the bad guys in your regeneration story again. I w- I w- I would say. Do you think,
2: even to the extent of the visuals, it looks gorgeous, it looks a million dollars, but it is very gloomy mm. and dark mm. continually mm. for 75 minutes. Is that a mistake for, a, for an opening story? To mm. so what extent should the writers limit themselves and what they're allowed to do in a season opener, and to what extent should they <laughs> should be made to think primarily about not turning off floating voters? Mm. <laughs> well, hmm. Discuss. <sighs> discuss it. No, not, not you three. No, I'm no. talking to our listeners. <laughs> they can discuss it among themselves. Mm.
3: Yeah.
2: Don't write in.
1: Well it's tricky when you're the yes, and you know Stephen Moffat arguably had more of a um more of a responsibility to the rest of the season than anti you know, than Auntie Stephen did mm. from that point of view. In terms of you know he's the he's the showrunner.
0: Yes. So I've got another conundrum for you. Mm. My first is in no No. no. So in this one you get modern Clara Victorianing up. Mm. (laughs) And you know, so so why is it that we get awfully upset when people appropriate other cultures of their time, you know, around the world? But if they go back to a you know, to a historic place it's perfectly okay to get dressed up as if you were yeah, Member of that, you know, where I mean, the past is a foreign country as much as the mm-hmm. foreign country is a foreign country. Um, it's not real, <laughs> <You> c-
2: <laughs> it's uh, present tense privilege.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, very good, it is, yeah. it, it is, it is present <laughs> tense privilege, yeah.
0: I'm sorry, I, I, is that, is that my second stab at that this episode? I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but but it just it just struck me as being as being interesting that. There's there's no hint of uh, of anyone. Everyone just expects. Oh, we're going back in time. We'll you know, we'll dress up and pretend we're of that era. Mm. But you know, and of course, people are people. They don't they don't change just just because you're in a different era. Very I mean,
1: rarely do it when they go into the future. Exactly. <laughs> Quick, everyone is mm. spangly leotards. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's because the future is postmodern, and every and everybody. Mm. Dresses how they want. It's all completely egalitarian. You can do what you want and you'll never stand out. Nothing Mm. ever goes out of fashion. The future's like an endlessly diversifying (laughs) fractal graphic. (laughs) (laughs) Except for all the occasions when it isn't. And it's completely Mm. monocultural and Mm. everyone's wearing Mm Bakerphile. It's one or the other.
0: We've got a perfectly completely northern cast. I mean, I know we've had this. Bef- uh, sorry, in in terms of the of the the main two. I mean, I know we've had this with Baker and Sladen before. But uh, but yeah, we've got a Scot and a Lancastrian. Uh, it's perhaps the first first time we've seen that in the new series, anyway. Shouldn't <laughs> <think I've> <laughs> anything to say, to say on that? that. <laughs> They're all still speaking mm. properly, to my
2: ears. So it doesn't it doesn't stand mm. out.
0: Yes, there's a lot, but there's a lot being made of the of the Scottishness. I mean mm. you even get nick Macintosh um, you know getting her accent. Yes, out. yeah. Mm. If if it feels I dunno. I, mean, I d I don't mind the doctor being Scottish. In fact mm. I applaud the Doctor being Scottish and mm. I would much sooner that Tennant was Scottish rather than Mockney. But you know, we've got what we've got. But it but it does feel like it just feels slightly odd in places that they make such a big deal about it. As if, you know, we've, we've, we've arrived at, s- at series eight, mm. and now it can be Scottish.
2: Well, I think Moffat's getting more and more and more self-referential. Mm. Yes. As time goes on, and it's never there's never more than there is here with, as you say, nods to which actors are Scottish, nods to what Capaldi's face looks like and his attack eyebrows, mm. Mm. nods to the fact that he's been in the programme before. mm any yeah. anytime there's, you can make a reference to something that's going on on our side of the fourth wall he he mm, does yes and I don't find it annoying but um it is starting to get a bit out of control you, I do I do find it annoying mm.
1: um, <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> no I know I think it's funny it's funny I was trying to trying to work this out I was thinking okay so much of this stuff okay although I was saying oh, it's drama but it's also very much the stuff of sitcom so much of it and this is ter- <laughs> this is terribly dialogue-heavy, and I guess that probably goes for mm. all of Moffat's stuff anyway, because that's his style. Yeah, and I was trying to work out why... It, you know, for me, it wasn't actually... Although it was kind of the sitcom, I could recognise that it was sitcom. You know, so it was, it was almost the same as the, the Twin Dilemma stuff, where I was thinking, OK, I can see that this, these lines are funny on the page, but they're falling flat for me you know, on the screen. And mm. I don't know why, because as you say... It's not that like Ben Wheatley's a shabby director, and he's you know, he's he's clearly a cut of my <laughs> Yeah, from mm-hmm. the Department of Damning with Faint Face he's clearly a cut of a piece of profit. I was
0: expecting the start of this to be to be funnier and I think I'm probably remembering the snowmen instead. Yes, I think when mm, Yeah. Yeah. When Strax was very funny and I I, I thought I was I thought it was surprisingly a bit flat that first half hour mm. there wasn't as much humour in it as I thought there was going to be yeah well yeah I don't know
2: he was being restrained in his use of Stracks, but maybe that's just because we've had a lot of stracks yes so only,
1: you know, this, I is think the, this is, is cra- the last time isn't it for them
2: unusually Moffat is yeah he's reigning himself in mm. but mm. also it wouldn't fit tonally if if he was wisecracking I mean he doesn't say anything for quite a while does he he's just, in the first few scenes he's just mm. standing around being part of the furniture mm. Mm. So yes, he's. I think he's being restrained tonally there, mm. and also we've done. He's met Clara so many times before. We've we, done most of the gags that you can get. True.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, what's the? I think the only new one here is is that take your hat off. It's it's my hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Mm. <laughs> so I'm just laughing at, at his suggestion that they, when the when the doctor finally returns, and they melt him with acid mm. because yeah. it is it's very silly <laughs> I, I got into trouble I didn't get into trouble but I mean I've written for I've written for the Paterno- Paternoster gang and I was told although I shouldn't be admitting this in public because my critics will think that I actually, actually care what they say and I, and I <laughs> don't of course no writers read criticism for a start and they certainly never take it on they certainly never get hurt or wounded they certainly never <laughs> carry <laughs> reviews of their work around their pockets for 50 years like Eric Morgan but you know if, if I did were to break that, that basic writer's rule and uh, <laughs> somebody told me that I'd got Strax wrong because I made him too silly and he was never stupid well, no. he hit, of course he is <laughs> well, he's, uh, just, you could rationalise why he says these things what kind mm. of stupidity it is is it mm. full on Baldric stupidity? Is it a culture clash stupidity? But no, he says things that are completely and utterly nonsensical. Mm. Yes. Why does he want to kill the doctor in acid? Because it'll be mm. funny. Because it'll be a funny line at mm. that point in this mm. script, and that's all you have to remember when you're writing for Strax. Mm. So you out there, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not daft either. <laughs> I
3: know.
2: Strax is not there to Make profound social commentary, he's there
0: to make jokes hmm. in his little potato potato headed way. Hmm. The other thing you know that seems apparent to me is that Moffat is quite sexist in a way that RTD isn't, or at least he's he's kind of you know he's maybe playing to his own proclivities at times, anyway.
1: It's all a bit lit. you've been yeah. very familiar with it, <laughs> well,
0: and we've, we've met him, but
2: I'm surprised that you. Psychoanalyzing
1: to this extent. (laughs) Go on,
2: Richard. What what makes you think this?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, so 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 you've got this. You know, apparently. I mean, you know, it's a lizard and a woman, but it's apparently a a, a, a lesbian thing. But it's not. But it's a rather salacious lesbian thing. Mm. And I don't know. It just feels like there's there's although there's a lizard, there's a lot of male gaze going on. Um I don't know it, do you mean from sorry
2: do you mean from Vastra to Jenny so or from us or us watch us watching them
0: I think a bit of each right mm. and then there's also you know the 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 you know the joke about Clara, oh you're wearing a coat, take your coat off. no these are my clothes, so I'm gonna take it off anyway i don't know mm. i mean it it's a funny line, but it, i don't know it's I, maybe, mm. maybe I'm just being oversensitive, but it just feels like it's there. I know what you
2: this, mean.
1: This is from the man who bought us *Lesbian Bank Inferno*. <laughs> this is the, the phrase that, um, yeah, it's 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 having its cake and eating it. I think in that mm. regard, he's he's reversing Sparky female characters, but but at the same time, let's have Jenny Jenny posing, you know, quite blatantly, for, yeah. <laughs> quite blatantly for the enjoyment of the male part of the audience, and Vastra. Uh, but we can get away with it because it's a, um, because it's a lesbian lizard menage, uh, t- yeah. Um. Yeah.
2: Well, you, I mean, the, mo- the more layers you throw up, yeah. not Only does, does the text become more rich, and people can write <laughs> essays about it. It also gives you a, <laughs> every new dramatic, dramatic layer. You cover yourself. Mm. Your mm. ass is covered slightly more. Mm. Yes.
0: No, I, was, I it, wasn't it, saying that. Mm. Yes. It doesn't really matter who's appreciating. Yeah, uh, Jenny. It, whether, whether it's the men in the audience, the women in the audience, or the lizards in the audience, the point of the matter is she's still, uh, you know, uh, being objectified. Hmm. Well, she's working class, so what do? You- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh.
0: Uh. So, so, Giles, does it bother you that the T Rex is a, at least a factor of ten too big, a- or do do you just get past that? <laughs>
1: I I thought they had a clever ref, clever my recollection of it and again, yeah so yeah it's the classic thing I haven't seen this since transmission, yeah my recollection of it was that they had come up with a clever explanation for why it was so much bigger, and then when I watched it I thought oh there isn't a clever explanation they just have a little Vastra and Jenny just have a little back and forth about it, and they yeah. hang a, they hang the proverbial lampshade on it, and then just get on with it and again. Hmm. It irritate, it irritates me on the it irritates me on the level that they could have had it fine and all you do is just have to just have to throw in a daft line about well that's what happens when you swallow a dimensionally transcendental police box. Yeah. And and you're and you're covered, kind of thing. And you can still have your giants you know, giant T Rex with all the visuals and everything would have been the same. So it irritates me on that on that slight level that you know, you could easily throw some you know, throw a moderately funny pseudoscience line at that and and cover yourself and just you know, get away, get away with it, but it doesn't it doesn't bother me that much it doesn't bother me as much as the thing in the twin dilemma where it's where it claims to be where it's, where mm. it's clearly got, you know the, the writer has gone oh yeah, here's a good bit of science that's, mm. and has completely missed the point of it mm.
0: so I mean maybe it has to be that big so that the brain is big enough so it can then have that poetic. Um, language which is, which the twelfth uh, doctor translates mm. beautiful because mm. yeah because otherwise you know t rexes are all pretty dense
3: were not they mm.
1: yes well. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i never met him myself <laughs> yes. and that's that fun. one and in that's Jurassic we... Park's <laughs> quite clever
2: that's why they had keep him around for all the sequels mm. oh yes for her
1: yeah and that's before we get onto the um, Huxley's essay on being the right size oh. That killed the conversation um, <laughs> I feel like I'm picking I feel like I'm picking holes in this but I've, I have got a couple of other things that that sort of we were talking earlier about the fact that this the golden the fireplace uh, sorry not um, sorry the Christmas invasion parallel hmm. in that you yeah it it does the same thing and I guess to some extent uh, no the eleventh hour doesn't do it because the eleventh hour and it's, this tries to have its cake and eat it that it, in that regard as well that okay the eleventh hour of as I remember it, the Doctor is pretty much around for the duration, and then still gets his triumphant moments yeah. at the end, where he walks through all the, you know, the hologram of all the other Doctors, and, and Christmas Invasion earns it by having the Doctor off, you know, uh, you know, out of out of combat, you know, he- you know, very very definitely out of out of action for most of its running length. You know, they you get a little snippet, but then he he goes away, and then and then when he emerges, you get thank God, and you know, it's that triumphant moment. And in this one, it feels like okay, it wants to do it, but it also wants to have Capaldi on screen as much as it's it's kind of it's doing it, but it's trying to because it's it's got that moment fifty three minutes in again. Me looking at the clock mm. <laughs> where the doctor grabs Clara's hand after the after the breath after yes. the breath holding thing. Yes. And the music swells. And A you've kind of okay, you've you've had a five minutes quite effective fake out of oh, he's left her. Hmm. But before that you haven't really earned you haven't really earned the return of the doctor by having him off screen for that long. And I don't really feel you've necessarily earned it in terms of him being completely out of character. In the scenes before that, you know, you've had the, you've had the stuff in the restaurant, which is a bit of figuring out stuff and so on. So yeah, and it feels a it feels a bit unearned, and b it's almost immediately undermined because you get that the music swells, and the next line is a gag, which is the thing about the um. The thing about who sent the invitation, and the and the um, half-faced man says, well, it wasn't me, and that sort of immediate, so that sort of immediately. Undercuts what should be the swelling moment of triumph, yay! It's the doctor in favour of, ha- of having a gag, and then the, and then you have the Paternosters turning up about a minute later, mm. you know, with with similarly, um, you know, undermining everything in favour of in favour of having a gag or two thrown into it. I don't know, just the just the way I it was was funny a little bit. And I appreciate. you know, there's not always a way. I'm I'm banging on about this, aren't I? <laughs> there are many ways of doing doctor who and yeah you know, i I'm, I'm not the final arbiter on what works and what doesn't but this personally didn't work for me in favor of possibly going down the more obvious yeah you know, obvious routes and i kind of felt that it would be would have been nice for cavaldi to have had that triumphant moment and might have sealed him in the hearts of the general public rather more than rather more than perhaps mm. ultimately he was
2: yeah i don't disagree
1: and another thing, <laughs> no, and and another thing, genuinely, yes. which is the the the, um, the Denouement or the you know the, the last the last five minutes and the phone call from Matt and I personally yeah. I think that is horribly misjudged. <laughs> I think that is just an yeah. I think I think that's yeah. a real betrayal of of your new actor to to yeah. do that. I think that's really you know, it's a bit of a dick move. To um, to do that because you know Clara is meant to be our audience identification point, and we should if you're gonna if you're gonna do this thing of having of working through all the trust issues and so on and so forth, don't just cop out at the end by having hmm. by by getting the old doctor back to say no it's all right really and and then you move on, you know, it's no we should no. <laughs>
2: So I think what you're saying is you hate this so much you prefer the one with the giant slugs <laughs> and, <laughs> and the bollocks science. Because um. yeah. at least it wasn't written by Stephen Mock. <laughs> no. It's yeah. It is Scottish uh. obsession. Uh. So I'm conflating uh. both of your no, no. perspectives here. <laughs> and, and
0: Davo didn't turn up at the end.
1: <laughs> 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 no. no, it's just, yeah, as I said... The Twin Dilemma was better than I expected it to be and the um, and Deep Breath was, yeah, more irritating. Do
2: you remember when Twin Dilemma came out on a Woolworths exclusive VHS Oh, release? God, it did, didn't it? Yeah. I hadn't just thought of that. What the hell was that exactly. all about? Did all the other... Maybe it was the opposite and all the other shops refused to sell it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember so, some discussion about that. Was that the only way they could get it out? Was to them. Um... <laughs>
2: hmm. So that was... That's a nice, another nice comparison between the two stories I hadn't thought of. One was released in cinemas up and down the country; the other was only <laughs> available in Woolworths. <laughs> 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 oh, dear.
0: Uh, oh well,
1: yes. And cinemas are soon going to be going the same way as Woolworths. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: Did he jump or was he pushed?
1: Ooh. Do we care? Ooh. Uh,
0: hmm.
2: I bet Giles thinks that it's a cop out. And a cheat to leave it. No, I don't. I was actually
1: going to say I don't, and I was going to. I was going to make the. Oh. I was going to make the comparison with the Reichenbach Fall. that uh, sorry, not not right. the Reichenbach Fall, the Empty Earth, the the um, the Comeback one, the Sherlock. Okay. And that, and that was that was Gatiss ostensibly, but that I believe didn't he? I think. And no, I, I have no I have no problem with with that, at all. And I got I, I did like it when they did something similar in the empty hearse after after having all the massive amounts of speculation about what Yeah yeah. The fact they more you know, they they threw three different explanations at the at the screen and and kind of ridiculed all of them and then just moved on with the story. And mm. um it's okay, it's done for different done with different intentions in the two things, but no, I don't know I don't have an issue with that. Do you, Paul? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> not really. I, <laughs> I've run out of things to say. Sorry, you, you're not getting money's worth out of me this week.
1: Hang on, are they paying you? <laughs> 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 it, it, it felt like
0: there was a there was a reason why Moffat didn't explain that. But equally, I'm not quite sure what that reason was. I mean, I suppose it's the the ambiguity maybe helps then to push the the agenda later in the season that maybe the doctor is a mm. bit of a nutter See, i've been
2: trying to avoid going on about the rest of the season because i thought this was actually much better than than half a well, quite a lot of that season to me it, it yeah. lacked and i'd forgotten that i'd tired it with the same brush mm. and that's why i think i was pleasantly surprised
3: mm.
1: do we we don't so. actually get the am i a good man line isn't actually in this episode is no. it? no Exactly Maybe. which is bloody well which shouldn't again be. is a hmm. which again surprised me that I was fully expecting that to come up
2: hmm, hmm. we do have a get missy so that was clear yes. oh, that's that works great yes. this early on yeah even if
0: yeah i mean she's she's absolutely potty hmm. from the start and I mean i did i i i was I was nervous about what that plot line was going to be about but I was perfectly happy with the way it was resolved it's quite. I mean, it, 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 it's it's one of the nicer arcs, I think. In the at least, it you haven't got a faint idea what's going on, but it does keep you wondering for a few weeks. True.
1: Well, we're not. We're, yeah, we're not. Really, we're not reviewing the entire season here. I'm mean, personally. I yeah. No, no. I love Michelle Gomez and I I love Missy, but yeah, you know, I I certainly have misgivings about the um about the final two parser in terms of the actual. Hmm. Yeah, it's. It'd oh be, I'm not trying <laughs> to. Be, you know, remind us. Yeah, yeah, you know, if, if, if we're going to, um, yeah, it's. But, I'm yeah. not trying to be a hypocrite
2: in terms of not link lumping deep breathing with the rest of the season, mm. because I think it would drag it down in my expectations. Whereas with Twin Dilemma, I was perfectly happy to lump it in with season twenty two mm. rather than season twenty one, which is actually part of, yes. <laughs> because stylistically, mm. for whatever reason, is far more. Mm. it's far more linked with what came after and yet in both yeah, there you go
0: what a hypocrite <laughs> well I suppose if, one, if we're trying to draw parallels there perhaps we could say that in the same way that Capaldi isn't doing all the things that we thought he was going to be doing in this one neither does Colin push into an acid bath <laughs> in an, uh, <laughs> Twin Dilemma
1: this is true
2: it does turn through and through then make Then make Austin Powers sub James Bond jokes afterwards. Mm. <laughs> so I now can't yeah. remember what he actually says. I was my mind immediately to frying tonight, which is kind of <laughs> screaming, so I don't <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: I think I'd have preferred that. <laughs> okay, so have we come to the point now where we've Lost the Will know, to live. More or less, you know, mind what we're ever gonna get out of these ones?
2: I definitely have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to go and take a
0: cold acid bath. <laughs>
1: yeah. Charles, do you have anything else you wanted to uh, say to us? No, no. I think I've, I think I've exhausted most of my notes. Hmm.
2: And this whole Farrago came about because you spotted that we hadn't done a sixth Doctor story yet, didn't it? Yeah. I think that was how we ended up here, and we have now. Yes. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't leave it forever before we do them again. But I think possibly I'd like to edge towards one of the ones the time. The actually less, yes. less me, makes me less want to be violently ill. Yeah,
1: okay. Well, that's the interesting <laughs> thing about this podcast. I mean, I hope it's an interesting thing that you know, occasionally it pushes us out of a comfort zone and we end up watching something that we wouldn't have.
0: Oh, crikey,
2: yes, pulled off the Definitely. shelf
1: under normal circumstances. So,
0: I think to some extent. And, and, you know, our audience can be a judge for this. <laughs> but it, it feels like we've had a more interesting conversation about these two stories that we, you know, struggled with than maybe, you know, two nailed-on classics that we could just have said, oh, yeah, I like that. Oh, that was rather good. Mm. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll and see. also also equally, if there
2: are interesting, and I'll let the listeners be the judge of that, but if there are interesting <laughs> reasons why we don't like them rather than just because they're a bit crap, I mean... If, <laughs> mm. Yeah. If something's brilliant, you don't want to sit here for an hour saying, "Oh, brilliant, wasn't it? Did you see that bit where that thing <laughs> happened? It was brilliant." <laughs> and equally, if something just leaves you cold, you know, there's nothing to say. But here, I, I <laughs> our listeners may well disagree if they're <laughs> anything left. But I have enjoyed g- trying to get to grips with mm, quite yeah. w- with the ni- nuts and bolts of why things might not have worked mm. and what on earth people thought they were doing. Mm. <laughs> Let's get Eric on and talk to him. <laughs> let's get Eric and let's get Eric and Moffat on. <laughs> I'm sure they will get on like a house afire. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> either that or the house will be on fire at the yeah. end. And I'll interview them both, doing my Terence Dicks impression. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look, thanks, thanks both of you for your company through this this episode, and I think we'll be back in a few weeks' time with something. Similar and yet different <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't
2: say, you can't say than... fairer than
0: that <laughs> uh. Goodbye <laughs> Bye everyone Cheerio Okay, five, four, three, two, one.
1: Thunderbirds,
0: i go!